You're listening to the PKJ and Yahweh podcast, where I take the supernatural world around us, connect it to complicated biblical theology, and then try and make it simple for everyone to gain revelation. If you're new to this podcast and would like more information, please go follow me on Instagram at kevin.scott.johnson. Tonight, I want to share a very unique message because there's been, it's been a much uh, highly discussed, debated, and highly anticipated event, Spoopy Night. What is spoopy? In some ways, a sing-song way of a mockery of really what Satan would like to try and do in this Halloween season, how we are going to ultimately have the victory in Jesus' name. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on, not just in our world, but even outside our doors. And I don't need to go into all the details of it. You guys have heard some of it. But I feel like week after week, the warfare is going up. But I also think week after week, the presence of God is going up in this room here. I'm just trying to be honest, and it hasn't been easy weeks. I mean, there's been weird stuff in the parking lot. We've got big events. We've got life that happens at us. Little things kind of keep coming, Uh, disappointment, frustration. And what I also was realizing is in all of this, it's not just me experiencing loss, obstacles, opposition, and people searching for a, a way out, a comfort, a way to take control of their situation, a way to manipulate the outcomes of what they're experiencing. And in this high unholy holiday, Halloween, yes, I do know pumpkins and carving. I do know that we're having fun carving faces into gourds. I do also know and have had multiple people lose their tops on social media because no one really does it face-to-face, the keyboard warrior. But just about how dare you uh, carve pumpkins and call yourself a Christian. Don't you know you're inviting spirits? And I, You know what? I understand all of that. I know there's origins. I also know that bringing Christmas trees into your house is an Asherah pole and a form of Baal worship. So praise God, I'm not going to call you out all for that because I like my Christmas tree too. Amen? All right. But today I wanted to address this evening in this season of a lot of supernatural the world, psychics, mystics, all these weird things coming around and seeking for a way to escape. I, I get hit up on TikTok all the time is, you know, when, when that one lady was over and, and uh, you start burning sage and it's like that <coughs> starts, it, it, it's supposed to be funny because you're thinking like burning sage is clearing demonic spirits. And, and so it's all these passive little minor things that kind of sneak their way in to our lives through humor, when, we're, when our guard is down, we're watching funny stuff, and all of a sudden it's like, you know, you could lucid dream too, it's easy, follow these three steps. And the, the reality is there's a risk, is because you can easily step into realms that actually function in the demonic without even realizing that you are operating in sorcery and witchcraft. And it's really important to be aware of what you're doing. And the important component about this is not that you have to understand everything about witchcraft and sorcery, (laughs) right? I don't need you to go by the library and pick up a whole bunch of books on Wicca and witchcraft and real magic. I'm not talking about Harry Potter here. I'm talking about like the stuff that Harry Potter's written about. So I'm telling you that there is real stuff out there, but you don't need to know the counterfeit. You just need to know the real thing. And the, and the counterfeit will expose itself, and you won't even need to worry about it. Now, I'm going to equip you with some cool information. My sister, she worked at the bank, Boeing Employee Credit Union. And the way they would teach them how to identify, because, you know, people do try to deposit fake money. And uh, so they, they don't say, here is all the different types of fake money. Because you know what happens is there are new types of fake money being made all the time. Do you hear that? 
There's new ways, there's new bills, there's new materials, there's new printing resources, there's new avenues to create fake things that appear more and more real. And there's no way they can keep up with teaching you about all the counterfeit. So what they do and they find has the most success rate is they simply have you touch the real dollar bills of hundreds, of tens, of twenties, of fives, of ones, of the $2 bills, all of it, they have you touch hundreds of thousands of dollars. So you become so familiar with the authentic that as soon as something that is not authentic rears its head, you're like, this is not a real bill. And then you can say, okay, I'm gonna put it to the test because it looks pretty real. You hit it with a little marker, you put it under the light, you do all these things and you find out, yep, 100% true, that is not a real bill. And I think it was so interesting when she expressed that story to me because it's so true about the Word of God, is if you know the authentic truth of where power and authority and what the Word of God is, then when the counterfeit comes, it will rear its ugly head and you'll want nothing to do with it because it has no value. 61% of Christians actually put their faith in New Age ideas. Six out of 10 people in this room, according to a survey in 2018, if you profess yourself as a Christian, believes in some form of new age mysticism, new age doctrines, uh, you know, astral projection, lucid dream, horoscopes. And this is based off of just a handful of different demographics. If you were to on everything that's connected to the new age, it would be closer to about 80%. There's books teaching the idea that God is an impersonal force in the universe and that we are to cultivate a relationship with this force by shifting our consciousness and or practicing things like mindfulness, presence, yoga, these different different areas of life. And in fact, in 2018, there was a TV series in Netflix called Sabrina the Teenage Witch, which just happened to, it taught all about spell incantations, uh, spell castings, demonic manifestations. And right around that same time, the Sephora makeup company released an announcement that they were releasing witches starter kits. But it was for little girls, and it came complete with crystals, sage, and tarot cards just in time for Christmas 2018. Interesting, huh? I mean, this is, this is a makeup store. Study shows as of 2018 that witches actually now outnumber Presbyterian Christians in the U.S. by 100,000 people, with 1.5 million self-identified witches as paganism continues to grow astronomically. 20% of Americans identify as, a, as spiritual but not religious, including 35% of Protestant Christians. It's one of the fastest growing religious demographics in the West, actually. Tonight, you see pumpkins, maybe you saw some spider webs, maybe you saw some spooky things. We are not glorifying anything about Halloween. This is an evening to address a cultural situation that is rampant in our society. And just as Paul, as he walked along, and he saw a statue that said, to the unknown God. Paul was able to come to them and say, to the God you don't know, I make known. And it's not this, it's not this statue, but it is the one and only Savior. And so God has woven himself into all of creation, into every story that exists, though it gets twisted and manipulated and becomes something different. But we, when we know the authentic, can point to that which is real. In fact, the population of those who identify as witches and pagans is continuing to increase as those who identify as Christians continues to decrease. Americans believe in new age, period. Here's a couple of things. They surveyed Americans to see what they thought about the following four New Age beliefs. Maybe you heard of some of these things. If you heard of this, raise your hand. I just want to survey the room. Spiritual energy exists in physical things. 
rocks. Psychics have reliable insights into the future is the statement that these people believe, okay? Reincarnation is another, do you know of it? Are you aware of it? I'm not asking if you believe in it. I'm asking if you're aware of, okay? And astrology, anybody know of it? Okay. Yeah, Aquarius. All right, so not only did 62% of the general public hold at least one of these beliefs, 61% of professing Christians held one of these New Age beliefs. There's a lot more details up on the screen if you wanted to take a peek at it, but there's a big research that broke it down into different categories, and it was very disturbing to discover that atheists are actually less into the demonic and witchcraft than Christians by a scary margin. So people who don't even believe in God do less satanic worship rituals than us believers. You have 13% of atheists believe in spiritual energy can be located in physical things, whereas 37% of Christians believe that. You have 29% of Christians believe they will be reincarnated in a new body, whereas only 7% of atheists do. It's scary when atheists have better theology than professing Christians. This is information that's today. So, I mean, like, this, this is a couple years ago, so it's only outside of a miraculous transformation of God headed another way. And what I want you to know is you young people are the target demographic to be recruited into the kingdom of darkness. Why do you think every time you open up a Snapchat account, they want you to put in all your birthday information so they can give you your horoscope? Because it's entertaining. It's fun. It's harmless. But the Bible says in Hebrews 9.27 that it is appointed for a man to die once. And after that comes to judgment. But almost a third of the church believes that they will be reincarnated on, in this planet on earth. It's kind of disturbing. It's kind of like a while back I talked about karma, and some of us had a worldview of karma and thought like, yeah, I mean, I understand it, and it's even biblical. But then afterwards we realized, no, this is like straight-up witchcraft. We can't play with this stuff. Reincarnation contradicts the entire gospel, and we'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Listen to this. This is some fun facts. Four in ten professing Christians believe in, in psychics as a viable means of foretelling the future, even though the Bible condemns this practice. It says in the word of God, there shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or daughters as an offering, anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens, or a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer or one who inquires of the dead. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. Here's, 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 a, here's a shocker for you. It would not make sense for God to tell mankind to not do something that is not possible for them to do. God didn't have to lay out a law that man should not fly with wings. He didn't, he didn't lay out a law that mankind should not fly in the air like Superman because it's not possible to do without machinery and other things. What is possible according to the word of God is he's saying you should not talk to the dead. So the Bible literally is saying that is something possible and you shouldn't mess with it because you won't have any inheritance in the kingdom of God. Yikes. And the list goes on. The major key here is if we were to take other 
such new age beliefs into account, and it's a conservative estimate that about 80% of the church would believe in this. Atheism isn't the problem in our culture anymore, and neither is neutralism. New age is the religion of the future, and it's beginning to invade our culture and infiltrate through the life of Christians. The problem is our threat is a new wave of spiritual philosophy that draws from whatever religious tradition and practice it wants, promising its followers supernatural experiences and ascension in some hyper-spiritual state where they can attain paranormal powers and rise up in the rank of godhood. The problem is Christians don't know what is new age and what isn't. Furthermore, they don't know how to navigate New Age ideas once they're identified. Google becomes the go-to, and Google becomes the teacher of the word for us. And I'm going to tell you, that's risky, even, even, even for me, that I kind of know the word. Like, I went to Bible college. Using Google, you got to have secondary sources. But as a church, we are admittedly under-equipped to deal with the type of spiritual, uh, spirituality that is taking over the culture and is now making its way in the churches. There is a risk, and the world makes it sound exciting at first, but we are being spiritually attacked, and our beliefs are being attacked intellectually as well. These are doctrines of demons masterfully presented as harmless forms of entertainment and leisure. And the obstacle I found is that as young people in the church, in today's culture, especially in some of these really cool revival experiences, we have become so focused on a tangible spiritual encounter with God rather than a personal covenant relationship with the one and almighty God. What, what I'm saying is that, is that we are more focused and fixated on how we feel and, ooh, maybe I could create a feeling spiritually through another means than just showing up at church. And all of a sudden, it's all about the experience and how we can control it rather than being submitted to his Holy Spirit and his will. And now it's out of God's hands and it's in our hands. And then ultimately when it's in our hands, it's not in God's hands and our hands are the devil's hands, right? Idle hands are the devil's playing ground. But I want you to understand something really important is we were created for the supernatural. We are. That's why we're hungry. We're hungry for this stuff. This isn't a night to shame you and embarrass you, make you feel stupid. That's what the devil's trying to do to you right now. And I need you to shake that off, wipe it off your shoulder. This is an empowering, emboldening message to let you know there is no shame. There is no condemnation. I wrote out a fun little list here. You know, you've been looking at third eye stuff, chanting mantras, astral projection, lucid dreaming, reality shifting, law of attraction, karma, mindfulness, crystal, sage burning, Ouija boards, eight balls, tarot cards, horoscope, horror movies, Wicca, angels, aliens, abductions, and demons. All of this stuff is attractive for a reason because it is a counterfeit of something that we're meant to actually have in the kingdom of God. And that's why it's attractive, because sometimes we only see the element on the onset, but we don't realize it has hooks in us until we've gone too deep and held on too long. We were created for the supernatural, which means we were in the image of God, which includes even supernatural components in our everyday. I'm pretty pumped. Uh, I want to play a quick video here for you, then I'm going to circle this bad boy in a really encouraging word-focused powerbomb that I hope you guys are going to love. Because I have a gift today from somebody really cool, but he really believes in a supernatural worldview and and, and a biblical perspective. Long story short, uh, some scammer stole his Instagram. Because of the stuff I do in marketing and working with other people, I had means of being able to get his Instagram account back for him as a gift. And as a gift, he said, how many kids are in your youth group? And I, and I said, oh, depending on what day it is, somewhere between 50 and 70, depending on what service. And he said, 
I'd like to send a book for each of your kids. And then he didn't only send one book for each of the kids. He sent three books for each of you. And he's all about the supernatural worldview. And I'm going to play a quick video clip because there is something attractive about the supernatural. But if you have the perspective in the mind of Christ by meditating on his word, you'll be able to find Jesus even in the strangest of things. Paul went in, as was his custom. And on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. Acts 17, 2 through 7. Hi, I'm Mike Heiser. Thanks for reading my book, The World Turned Upside Down, Finding the Gospel in Stranger Things. I'm a trained biblical scholar, so I naturally have people ask me why I wrote this book. The truth is that as far back as I can remember, I've been drawn to subjects that were paranormal or anomalous. Those things aroused my curiosity because they were outliers, things that shouldn't be real, but seem to be real, at least so far as people could tell. And that's kind of the point, so far as people could tell. The mystery of the outlier was what appealed to me. I liked the idea of finding out if such things were real or not. Now, I tend to read serious research into these things, but I appreciate good fiction about them as well. That's why Stranger Things was so appealing. It's great storytelling about phenomena that serious people do, in fact, think about. Things like alternate dimensions and other realities. But there was something else. Stranger Things drew me in for another reason, my age. I graduated from high school in 1981, so the show's setting in the 80s was very familiar to me. I saw myself and old friends in the characters. In many ways, the experience of watching the show felt like my own teenage years, minus the paranormal crisis, of course. I only wish I could have had an adventure like that. If we're honest, no matter what age you are, certain things the show plays off are common to everyone. For instance, we're intrigued by mystery. We want to feel like we've discovered transcendent truth, the way things really are, and finally grasp our role in the big picture. We want to know that we're not just here to get married, get a job, have kids, pay taxes, and then we die. We want to think that we're destined to be participants in something desperately important. In our culture, when religion so often comes across as phony and fails to meet those needs, we're hardwired to replace it with something else that does, that exposes us to a reality greater than ourselves and infuses us with a sense of mission that we can accomplish only with fellow travelers committed to each other. 
Stranger Things taps into these yearnings and impulses in clever, poignant ways. The show taps into the pain of loss and the uncertainty of the human condition, while at the same time turning our attention to a supernormal solution for all of that. The irony is that Stranger Things unintentionally imitates a lot of things you'd find in the biblical story. And the Bible story is actually better. If that sounds odd to you, I think you'll see I'm onto something as you read the book. Frankly, accepting what I just claimed would be less of a problem if we were intentionally led to think about the Bible as what it really is, a supernatural epic. Instead, the Bible has become more like a bullet point list of names, events, and propositions. We're familiar with fragments or glimpses of the Bible story like Old Testament characters, certain events, stories about Jesus, but we have little sense of how they all connect. Most Christians get the Bible only in excerpted form and can't see the interconnections. Good storytelling connects the dots so the reader or viewer sees the big picture. The Bible actually does that very well, but we aren't trained to see it. For that reason, I actually think this book will not only help you find the gospel in Stranger Things, I also think it will help you see the shape of the Bible's own story. I hope that when you see the big themes and cosmic conflicts in Stranger Things for what they are, hidden in plain sight, you'll be able to appreciate the big picture of the Bible, especially God's desire to have you be part of his family and to satisfy the longings of your heart. So Dr. Michael Heiser has sent us all a copy of three books each, all signed on the inside cover by him himself uh, as a gift to each of you uh, for tonight, and that you'll find them in beautiful stacks out on the table on your way out this evening. Who wants this one, special one? Here we go. There we go. All right. So what, what I want to sp- uh, step on so we can get to this next part is, is the fundamental truth of the gospel. So I need you guys to give me seven minutes. That's a God number, and I'm believing by it. It says it's 831, but I believe it's about to hit 832. So I'm going to believe I have until 840. Amen. My math is good. Amen. All right. So, but we are made for the supernatural. We're made as imagers of God. Even as Mike Heiser here explained that there is a natural desire in us to know more of the supernatural world. And so much so because as we're imagers of God, that means that we contain elements of who God is because he made us in his image as his image. Do you know that there's a biological phenomenon known as hysterical strength? This is just natural, supernatural stuff that we see in every day. I'll give you a couple clips. May 1962, Jack Kirby claims a woman lifted a car off her baby, which inspired him to create the Hulk, the actual comic. In 1982, in Lawrence, Georgia, Tony Cavallo was repairing a 1964 Chevy Impala when the vehicle fell off its jacks on which it was propped, trapping him underneath. Cavallo's mother, Mrs. Angela Cavallo, lifted the car high enough and long enough for two neighbors to replace the jacks and pull Tony from beneath the car. In 2006, in Quebec, resident Lydia saved several children by fighting a polar bear until a local hunter shot the bear. In 2006, 
In Tucson, Arizona, Tom Boyle watched as a Chevy Camaro hit an 18-year-old Kyle Holtrust. The car pinned Holtrust still alive underneath. Boyle lifted the Camaro off the teenager while the driver of the car pulled the teen to safety. In 2009 in Ottawa, Kansas, 1.7 miles, 5 or 1.7 meters, 5 foot 7, 84 kilograms, 185 pound, Nick Harris lifted a Mercury sedan to help a 6-year-old girl pinned beneath. In 2009, in Newport, Wales, Donna McNamee, Abigail Cicillo, and Anthony McNamee lifted a 1.1-ton Renault Clio off of an 8-year-old boy. In 2011, man, it's crazy stuff. It's real stuff. This is, these are real facts. I didn't write these and make up these names. In 2011, in Tampa, Florida, Six foot three, 295 pound University of South Florida college football player Danius Estener lifted a, a 3,500 pound car off a man who had been caught underneath. The man was a tow truck driver who had been pinned under the rear tire of a 1990 Cadillac Seville, which had lurched forward as he worked underneath it. The man suffered only minor injuries. I have a list of about 15 more events all the way up until 2019 of things just like this, one after another. There is something in our DNA that God has woven into us that is supernatural in nature. You read it in Bible stories, but it's not real to us because it happened so long ago when we hear about Samson killing an entire army with a donkey jawbone. You see, there is, there is stuff inside of us, but the world would like to say that you can tap into that by biohacking yourself through lucid dreams, through astral projection. But God says, no, it's for, it's for my glory, not yours. We were created to have relationship with the supernatural. Genesis 3.8, this is Adam. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Adam just walked with God in the cool of the day. The supernatural, above supernatural. Exodus 6, 7, Then I will take you for my people, God says, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from underneath the burns of the Egyptians. We're created to have relationship and to know that which is supernatural. Angels were and are God's messengers. Galatians 3.19, why the law then? It was added because of transgressions, having been ordained through angels by the agency of a mediator until the seed would come to whom the promise has been made. Psalms 103.20, check this out. Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Psalms 104.4, he makes the winds his messenger. As you can see up there. It's, it, it also wins the messenger, that, that word messenger is angels, uh, angelos, flaming fire, his ministers. You see, there's so much more in this gospel for us to discover if we would pursue God to know God. And the world wants to give you a counterfeit. It wants to give you a shadow. It wants to give you a type of what God has to offer. But if we would continue to pursue God and lay down our desires and pick up his, it will transform our life. The world would want to ensnare us by saying, you could do this at home alone in your bed. Do you, I don't know if you know this story. Pastor Tara, my beautiful wife, I love her so much. My favorite person. And she, when she was a young girl, if she was here, she'd tell you, 
there was this really interesting game called Stiff as a Feather, Light as a Board. And the concept was if you laid flat and you, in, and you said over and over and over and over, stiff as a feather, light as a board, you would flight up, like a, you would flow up like a feather as long as you stayed straight and focused. And Pastor Tara played some of those weird games once at a sleepover. Sleepovers are bad, okay? Bad things happen. And she would tell you that she was several feet off the floor, supernaturally, not by God, but by demonic influence. And since she has definitely gone through repentance, since she has definitely gone through casting off and breaking off of spiritual, anything that could have had a grip on her, now just because you have opened a door to the demonic by looking in all these weird things or trying these weird games does not mean that you are now possessed. It does not mean that you are now have a demon assigned to you, but it does mean that you have a door that you need to close by the blood of the Lamb that you need to seal his promise over and let the Holy Spirit come in and bring a change. You see, the world presents a promise of power and control that appears easy and fun, rewarding all within the reach of your fingertips. But the hidden truth, it'll cost you more than you intended to spend, take more than you want to give, and keep you longer than you want to stay. If anyone's watched Once Upon a Time, the TV series, you'll know what Rumpelstiltskin says. All magic comes with a price. And the world doesn't want you to know that there is a price. But in Christ, he's paid the price for us to walk in power and authority and have victory. In fact, the word of God tells us simply this, Matthew 16, 25, for whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Witchcraft, sorcery, divination, all this stuff is seeking to control and manipulate. But in the kingdom of God, it's looking to lay our control down that he might lead us and guide us. And we can trust him and we can be used by him. Doing the will of God is where we find all power and authority. Ephesians 6.20, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming I might speak boldly as I ought, Paul said, as the writer of most of the New Testament, most of the letters we see one of the biggest influencers on the walk you're walking right now was empowered to release that because he didn't care about his situation. He didn't try to manipulate or control it. He said, I'm in these chains for the sake of the gospel. I'm not going to try and wave a spell and these are not the droids you're looking for. Okay? He submitted to what God had for him and he received power in what he spoke and what he released. John 3.16 for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. In death, we have victory. And in Christ's death, we have victory today. So that the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Even unto death, if you are, if you are in the will of God, no one has any power over you. John 10, 18, no one has taken it away from me, Jesus said about his life, but I lay it down in my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This is the commandment I received from my father. I feel like that's why the message tonight, the, the worship times tonight meant so much to me. And I'll have the worship team come up so we can wrap this plane down like I promised. The reality is, yeah, we're, whole worship team. Let's sing. I want to sing. I'm going to live. I'm going to live again. That's where we're going to end tonight. Not something slow and sappy. I love slow and sappy. It's perfect for prayer, but I want a declaration song that scares the enemy tonight. You see, we have the authority in Christ to heal the sick, raise the dead, drive out demons. Interesting, however, that all of these actions have to do about God's will for his people through you and nothing to do with your desires, your entertainment, your pleasure, but the pleasure of the Father. 
You'll heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. That's not, you're not raising yourself. Not driving demons out yourself. It's about you submitting to his will. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Yet for those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength and rise up on wings like eagles. Romans 12, 12, let the word of God, his own word wash over you, says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is the will of God and that which is good and acceptable. Prayer, I want us to know tonight to come forward for prayer and repenting for opening up doors because we have to say, God, I'm gonna take ownership that I opened doors in my life to the demonic influence that I should not have done. I set up my account to know what my horoscope was. I, I'm not saying you got demons chasing you, but I'm saying you're opening doors for them and giving them permission to do so. I got bored one day and started researching all about tarot cards and, and I watched a video on it. There's an assault, there's an agenda to open up your hearts to the demonic. And part of 2020, one of the things that makes me the most mad at the enemy for is that we were all isolated at home alone with limitless time and limitless internet. And we all were cheating, not really watching our, our classes. So we all were looking for who knows what. I'm just, let's be honest. Unless you're homeschooled, nothing changed for you. Sorry, you missed out on the worldwide pandemic. You're off, okay? Tonight, I want you to come forward as we sing this song. And I want you to simply say, God, if this is you, if, the, if you've done this, God, forgive me for opening up doors to the demonic. You shouldn't feel any shame to that. That's the, the enemy's shame trying to put on you. You should not feel any shame about that. He's a manipulator. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. So if you've been lied to, manipulated, and deceived, should you be mad at yourself for that? No. You need to forgive yourself and ask God to forgive you. So you can take ownership of letting it happen, but then moving forward from it so it doesn't have you. Secondarily, ask God for, for forgiveness for believing the lies of the new age, mysticism, and all those things, which is just old school magic and sorcery repackaged with a new name to sound attractive. It ain't nothing new. It's all in the Bible. You can read about it. And then lastly, seal it by the Holy Spirit. Invite the Holy Spirit tonight as you sing, as you declare, and as leaders come along, if you want us to pray with you, leaders come on up and you can pray. We want to pray with you. If you have not received that Holy Spirit, tonight is the important night. If you have not received the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in your life by evidence of the gift of tongues, it would be helpful to understand that, yes, hallelujah, most times in the Bible we saw people were filled with the Holy Spirit and immediately started speaking in tongues of angels, whatever God's language he's put inside your heart. Because guess what? If you drive out oppression, you drive out the demonic, and the Holy Spirit doesn't come to live in that, something else will. And it'll be way worse than what you had before. So if you are going to say, God, forgive me for opening up doors to the demonic, I release, I, I, I ask for forgiveness, and I repent from all the things that I've opened myself up to, remove them from me, God, and now I need an infilling of your spirit because I don't want any critters coming back. If you're here, young people, with your, no one looking around, and you're saying, yeah, I've opened up doors that I didn't know were demonic and witchcraft and sorcery. I, I, I want you to not feel shame. There's 63%, up to 80% of the church has done so as well. You don't need to feel shame and guilt. You just need to be able to lay it at the cross tonight. And if that's you tonight, I just want you to boldly, just as a declaration, say, yeah, that's me. I'm going to raise my hand because I'm also stepping out of that tonight. I, I, I want to seal any door that I even opened up in the past. One time I played with a Ouija board like four years ago, and I, I want to I seal that door. I didn't play with one. I'm just saying that could be your story. 
And if that's you and you open doors you didn't mean to open, I just want you to just, before God, all eyes closed, all heads bowed, just pop your hand up. Okay. People are going to get free tonight. You don't know what kind of stuff that, that, that stuff does passively. You think you just, you thought you were just playing and, and, and that's what the enemy wants you to think and now you're walking in fear, nightmares, depression, anxiety, stomach issues. The demonic manifests itself towards us in lots of ways and, and we just got to come to the Lord and ask for forgiveness. So everyone that raised their hands, I just want you and everyone else just join with them. Let's just all say it together. If you want to repeat with me, just say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your mercy. Forgive me for opening doors I shouldn't have opened. I thank you that you will shut them and you will apply the blood of Jesus over the doorposts of my mind, of my heart, and of my soul. Heal me, Lord, in the areas that I've been broken from demonic influence. Help me to shut those doors by the power of Jesus and your Holy Spirit. I invite you, Holy Spirit, in my heart, in my life, come and fill me. Come renew me. Come refresh me. Come have your dwelling in me. So when the enemy comes back, he'll see somebody's living in it. <laughs> and that somebody is you, Jesus. Thank you for your freedom. I declare your victory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like more information about the show, Kevin's work, or you have questions or would like to be a guest on this podcast, please reach out to me directly on my Instagram at kevin.scott.johnson. I look forward to hearing from you. God bless.